Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Nick Finzer. I'm here with Alan Blanchard. And today we are diving deeper into some best practices around releasing your music with outside of music and or whatever label you decide to go with. But definitely, uh, definitely for our label, these are some of the best practices. And we touched on a lot of details uh, in the first episode where we talked about uh, releasing some music with us. And so if you didn't listen to that one yet, you might want to go there first and kind of get an idea of some of the big picture items uh, of releasing music with a label like ours. Uh, And uh, I mean, it applies to anyone really releasing any music, but these best practices uh, definitely do as well. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to try to do a uh, rapid fire round here of best practices with uh, a whole range of things. And uh, some of the stuff we've seen with our artists kind of good and bad and uh, we'd love to hear from you about what you're wondering about that we don't cover because we're definitely not going to cover everything uh, today and we want to hear from you what you're wondering about challenges you've had so either leave a comment on this video on this podcast uh, on our website you can send an email to us directly and we can get those we can uh, do a, a round two of best practices sometime in the future but so the number one thing we mentioned at the top of the episode last time is timeline this is the number one issue that happens with releases and so let's just work backwards from a release date i think that's the best way to to uh find out when and touch on a whole bunch of things that uh we're going to when to schedule a release. So let's say, just for sake of argument, Alan, that someone uh, reached out to us today and uh, wanted to put out a release today. For those uh, who are wondering, it's Tuesday. It's August 10th, 2021. So uh, if they reached out to you, us, today, when would the soonest be that we would recommend for release? For an album? Uh, I'm going to talk about probably February of next year if not afterwards, depending on where they're at in the process. I mean, January for us is already full. And also the thing that people might not take into consideration sometimes is uh, even with that six month schedule, like we need to be aware of like what the album is. So meaning like we're not, we're going to try our absolute best to not release like two tenor saxophone players on the same date, right? you know, or even like within a week of each other. So we need to space out that stuff too um, and then besides that, even if they're using the same publicity uh, company or the same uh, radio company or whatnot, we, you know, we need to coordinate all of that. So there's stuff that goes outside of that, even out, outside of our control as far as scheduling. But that's the absolute soonest uh, that we would really be doing something. I mean, we might talk of a single you know, before that, but album release, we're talking late February at this point. Cool. So I want to kind of take the opportunity to talk about two things related to that. So one is, uh, well, three things related to that is one, we mentioned this in the last episode, but lead time for certain uh, things. So just technically speaking, like our distributor needs stuff in hand, what, like 60 days out because it takes 30 days to get onto Amazon, something like that. Yeah. The physical distributor, I think ideally like stuff 90 days out just because something always goes wrong. Right. But yeah, <laughs> bare so minimum. 90 days, we're talking three months. And then who else needs it three months ahead is physical print media. So we're talking Jazz Times. I guess they're only digital now, but uh, we're talking about Downbeat for sure. Obviously, we're not talking about New York Times because they print every day. But uh, anyone that's a periodical, they it's three months minimum. Because if you notice, if you look like in August, I'm going to receive the September issue of Downbeat, for example, which means that it was ready to go a month ago, 
which means they were working on it a month before that. So that's how you get the math of three months out minimum to get in touch yeah. with those outlets. I think we heard about July reviews like February, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it happens so early because not only then do they need that time, like Nick's saying, to print it and to get all that situated and delivered, but they also need the time to write about it. And then they need the time to be able to go through everything that they get sent, which probably takes longer than the other three things put together, you know? So I don't think they will ever complain about getting things too early. (laughs) Right. So if we're talking 90 days that they need to have a CD in hand for uh, our distributor, talking at least 90 days, if not more like a hundred days for, for some, outlets like downbeat that means they need they need to have those discs in their hand so yes they want a physical disc number one and number two you got to account for mailing and number three that means your printer has to be done at least a week before that to make sure that you have time to turn around and send it back out so easily 100 days before i think in our contract it says 120 days before is when we need to have the um, cds in hand by and so if you back up two weeks for you know economy production that's like eight to 12 business days or whatever on, on the turnaround time. If you use someone like disc makers, for example, we, we have another a company that we like to work with at this point, but that's like seven to 13 days is the, is the turnaround time. I think for, for disc makers, business economy. days too. Yeah. Business seven to 13 days. business days. So that's three weeks in actual real people time. You're right. Right. Um, and then not even forgetting too that like once that ships from the printer, it doesn't ship from the printer to downbeat. Mm-hmm. It ships from the printer to you, or maybe maybe you were able to set up a split shipment, so then it gets to your publicist or the fulfillment team, who then has to package it, which means also then that your publicist needs to have the one sheet or the press release, right, whatever they're mailing with it. Mm-hmm. And then from that packing date, it has to get shipped out again. So like there's, you know, it's not like, okay, they ship it, and then two days after they ship it, it gets to downbeat. You know, there's probably another two and a half weeks at least in that because chances are your publicist the second they gets it can't stop whatever they're doing and then package it and then ship it out there you know Mm -hmm. exactly so if we right now we're at about 120 days or so before uh, release that you need to be at the printer so that means you need how many weeks before that for someone to design it designer takes at least two three weeks uh, to do that so if you back up again before that, another two, three weeks for mixing and mastering is like, that's a very short timeline on mixing and mastering. It can take longer depending on you as an artist. So we're already up to like 150 days, 175 days. Uh, so pretty quickly, as you can see, we can back up and get to 180 days or six, you know, six months uh, pretty fast. So that's why we always say it's at least a six month turnaround is, is kind of like where, where we're looking at. Is it possible to go faster? Yes, it's possible. Is it a best practice? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> there's a little cheat code though, and some of our artists have become aware of the, the cheat code of this kind of system. And I'll say that I do this too when I'm working on stuff, is that I might come up with the album cover, the concept, the artwork, even before I go into the studio and, I, and to have things ready to go when it's done. So as soon as the day I have the master, I can go to print. Um, 
but that's only if you've done it before and you've known like I need this I need this I need this so you have it together and you can get it together because you know what you need to assemble but if you're going kind of in chronological order that's where all the delays happen because people don't realize how long things might take for a great artist to make a, a package or etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's why we say at least six months that's the that's the short answer uh, if you throw it up and throw it out then you're gonna end up with reviews that don't come out around your timeline and it's not that reviews after a release date are bad it's that nobody wants to review your album when it's not new yeah so. and it's very it's very um, right now it is sound like we are saying six months and I know people will come across and they will do six months but then it never feels like six months because throughout it it's a lot of like hurry ups and like there's little bursts of things where like the artist specifically needs to be active. So like you need to be active getting us the assets. Great. And then you need to be active approving proofs, you know, and then there might be three weeks, four weeks of downtime, you know, or even after that, if you, before you see the CDs and, but you don't see it getting set up everywhere in the back end. So there might be two, three months of downtime and, and it just might get to that point where you're like, Oh, well, if there's downtime, nothing's being happening, but there's tons of stuff moving in the back end. So mm -hmm. like, just be that's one of the best things about having a label help it is then we are working through that downtime um but you just don't see it and that's that's the beautiful thing about having a team and a partner working with it but it doesn't mean that we don't need that time in between we definitely need that time yeah we always need we always need as much time as we can get so if it's like if we can push it back a little bit more we're gonna push it back because uh it never hurts in the beginning to allow extra time because it's way harder once you've got that schedule rolling along if you want to push something back it becomes difficult for your whole team because then for us you run into somebody else's release you know your publicist is already booked they can't move it you know so these things definitely happen and so trying to stay on top of the the timeline is important uh one the other one other thing just quickly before we move move on because i said i was going to rapid fire this and we did not rapid fire this at all uh is we don't release anything from mid-November to the end of the year, uh, and even into the first part of the new year, um, basically nothing. Maybe a holiday release, um, because people are busy. No one's paying attention uh, to new releases, and it's just very busy in the industry around that time. It's busy for shipping. It's impossible to get anything done. It's impossible to get a hold of people because they're on vacation, going with family, etc. So when we talk about that work, we're basically skipping all of the time between November and mid-November and mid-January. So there's really only 10 months where we're releasing music. Right, and that's unless how, it's holiday-themed. Right, unless it's holiday-themed. And that's how we get to like, oh, we have March and April already scheduled now. You can see how that, that could happen pretty quick when you jump. So there's always this kind of thing that happens. you know. And I think that's partly why the Grammy year goes uh, to September. It's because that end of the year time, it can be kind of a jarbled time so that yeah. a better time to release well not better but just a, a something to consider but that's that's part of the timeline question and the other thing with timeline too which i don't we did not talk about in the last one and nick might talk about in this one is that um if you are going to do videos which we strongly encourage you need your video really ideally done two months prior to release if not sooner because the thing to remember with that as well is that the publicist needs the videos to be able to pitch the videos. Mm -hmm. So like, even though you are hitting, you know, you might record your studio dates or you might record like a story timeline video afterwards. Like 
just go ahead and get that stuff mixed and mastered. Like think of that as part of the production while your album is being printed, produce the videos and get all those done. Because if you are getting a video to your publicist, you know, a week and a half or two before you want to go out, they can't do anything, Mm -hmm. you know? So get that stuff out much, much sooner. Um, so that it can be worked at the appropriate thing, because just as like, whereas they need that long lead time with magazines to get out, they need that long lead time to schedule posts at publications and so that you can get stuff featured and they have time to be able to field offers from various places and not having to jump at what may be the first opportunity or anything. This leads directly into a great t- talking about strategy, the release strategy overall and having one, not just throwing things up and, and waiting. So, again, this is the benefit of having a, a team that can kind of guide you through this. Uh, what we kind of bring to the table as opposed to using CD Baby. We kind of talked about some of that stuff in the last episode. But um, so timeline, you know, something we I wanted to bring up is that his videos. Number one, Alan brought up videos. And the second thing is singles. So the entire process, it's not really like a some people want to think that like there's one day or one specific thing where like there's everything that's going to happen. And it's like this thing, we're going to blow it up as big as possible on one day. Maybe it's release day. Uh, but uh, the answer to that is that's not that's not what's going to happen. Release day is just like any other day. Nothing special really is going to happen other than the public can now officially buy and stream your music. Right. Although everything else uh, has already been set up and has already been in motion. So what we like to do is set up at least one, if not two singles, more like it, more like one is, is good at this point. Uh, and then also videos. Of these things so the video the videos could be in studio videos they could be timeline videos or story videos they could be animated videos they could be videos of the sheet music of the arrangement literally anything but to have some type of content that can help to support the release because what we're trying to do is is kind of like build a hill you know build a mountain up to the release date and keep it going and then it kind of will naturally kind of come back down afterwards so we're trying to build up that hill and if you expect it to shoot up like a rocket on one day you are in unfortunately in for some disappointment because it's not going to happen that way it's going to be a trickle it's going to be a slow build through the campaign uh so why do we do singles alan why do we do singles well because especially for a new artist um there's a couple reasons here uh one it kind of lets us test out everything to make sure that like it's mapped correctly, it's not getting mapped to a different artist's name, mm-hmm. it's not getting uh, mistitled, you know, to give you an idea so that you can set up your back end of Spotify for artists and Apple for artists and all of that stuff. Um, so that's one, which pe- people probably don't really think about. The second side is whereas often with like, you know, publicity and everything, they're kind of, you know, they're looking to review albums from the DSP world and that's so DSP means digital service provider. That's everything from Pandora, Amazon music, Apple music, Spotify, title, these are all that stuff. It's a singles driven world where they want to see like new content happen, new things being posted, um, all of that. And so what it allows us to do is, is really kind of cheat the system almost if you will, and spike that number of your average monthly listeners. Um, and it works in like a bell curve, you know, so like when everything goes up, we want to then catch that bell curve before it gets down to the bottom and then keep building upon it so that we're not zeroing out every time. Mm-hmm. It allows for playlisting opportunities and playlist pitching um, because and if you've released music, you'll see this on Spotify for artists. For example, you get a, a pitch and you get to submit that pitch for every unique thing. So when you go to your album, you know, they don't get to pitch 
all 10 tracks uh, immediately like that in that submission process. They get to pitch one, and then from that one, the curator can go find the others if they would like. You know, so that's like we're having a focus track and everything works. But it, it provides a, a sense of content and ability to to build a story, you know, to have a lead track like that, build uh, energy and, and hype leading into a release and, and helps draw it out. Because uh, kind of like what Nick was saying, like, you know, unless you're Beyonce or like Jay Collier or someone like just hitting on one day is, is a really, really hard thing to do. And the majority of people cannot do that. Mm-hmm. So we need to build up some traction before you need to train your audience. You need to make them aware that something is coming up because if you do just do everything at once and it just so happens that Jimmy doesn't see it that day, you know, you miss that opportunity with Jimmy, mm-hmm. you know, you got to retarget them over and over. And so it helps set that up in a more natural way than always posting on Instagram. Hey, I have an album out. Hey, I have an album. You know, it's, it's giving something a little bit more u- unique. Exactly. And so this ties in directly. The social, the social media side of things is so important uh, and the messaging side uh, is so important uh, and telling people and realizing that not what Alan just said is exactly it. Not everyone sees it when you say it. You know, you have to say something many times in many different ways in order to reach all the different parts of your audience. So, you know, your mom is going to respond to everything. But, you know, or she might not she might (laughs) they might not she might not even see it and it's not her fault it's instagram's fault or it's twitter's fault right so um without getting too deep into you know creating a huge uh, a fully fleshed out social media strategy it's the idea of making sure to tell people many times many different ways about your project about your album you know i wrote that in my notes here for today's show i wrote no one cares about the project more than you don't be afraid to tell them about it uh because oftentimes i find artists like don't want to be salesy they don't want to be uh pushy they whatever and it's not you're not being pushy you're not being salesy if you're just sharing something that you're excited about just like if you were excited about your lunch and you took a picture of it it's the same you know you're excited about just being genuine yeah you're genuinely pumped about this track the video so the more stuff you create that is um notable like a single like a video like uh, interviews like press coming out, all of these different things, getting added to playlists, all that stuff is worth sharing and worth telling about. And those are all different ways to talk about the album without talking about the album. So that timeline that we're talking about is directly related to the singles and the social media strategy. All that stuff is kind of bundled up together. Uh, and so we usually talk about with our artists uh, like a 12 week strategy. And if we're working with an artist, you know, we'll, we're doing in house campaign and we're helping with these sorts of things you know i send out a 12-week kind of outline of like here's some ideas of what you should talk about for 12 weeks you're going to talk about this as many days out of these 12 weeks as possible most people post three to four times a week at most if you can post every single day you're going to be doing better because like alan said you need all those chances to get in front of people and you need to um you know do that while i'm on the topic of getting in front of people and I'm just going to say it because it's a pet peeve of mine as a social media uh, consultant and or manager for s- certain people. Uh, stop asking people to do something in the social media. Just post the thing that you want them to check out right then and there because you have their attention. And if all it says is go to YouTube to watch my video, you've wasted that bit of attention. Just post the video or post a clip of the video. And also, no one can use links in yeah. Instagram comments. Oh, yeah. They can't. They have to just comment it and paste it somewhere else. So I'm just letting everyone know right now. No one can do it. Yeah. So just don't. 
just don't do it. Yeah, these, these are that's a best practice uh, 101. Do not post links on Instagram. Put them in your bio. Get 10,000 followers so you can do a swipe up. And I know that seems like a lot, but if you're posting regularly, you'll get there. Uh, and posting something interesting. If you just post, well, I guess if you post stupid stuff, you probably also could get to 10,000 followers too. Yeah, some people might like it. You know, it's yeah, it's true. interesting. But yeah, it's just Nick's right. It's the same thing. Like if you were a an athlete or if you were a cook or if you were an, a painter or building stuff, you know, you would want to share the cool thing that you're doing, you know. And the thing to remember, which is it's a tough thing to bite, and I do this the same too, but like social media for us is a tool. Mm -hmm. Like it is part of our business. And so you might be like, oh, so-and-so I went to college with or high school with like doesn't care about this. Well, that's that's fine to a degree, you know, but like you need to build an audience there that is going to to be interested in that you know it's the same way like when we follow people on social media platforms we follow people for a reason maybe it's that they share great jokes or maybe it's that they share cool pieces of art that we want to see or something you know you but it's okay and you just have to get past that thing that social media for us is it's it's an asset you know and we need to kind of treat it like an asset and find that healthy balance for everybody um but it's a very valuable asset in that sense you know so just keep that in mind mm -hmm. uh, okay so getting off of that particular train to get to, to a couple other ideas that i wanted to make sure we talked about um and let's just talk so let's talk about here about branding and uh, your album story and how they're kind of all intertwined with this social media content strategy so the number one thing outside of getting your timeline together is going to be giving some people a reason to care about your music. And so some people can create a great narrative and some people really struggle with narrative uh, around their music. And the narrative that here's a bunch of songs I like, or here's this is my first album, it's a picture of my place in history. Uh, I wanted to share these songs that I wrote from college is a very common one. And to you, for you to think that that's um, unique is just going to be false. So if you can find a way to take that and take another extra step. So can you relate it somehow to something that has only to do with you or only your experience, something that only you could really talk about from your experience. Now, for certain people, that's super easy. For some people, that's super hard. But to, to take the time to think about it and put as much creativity into coming up with the angle of how we can talk about the album makes it exponentially easier to get places to cover it because it's uh it's interesting right so it's if it's just i'm another college student that's now releasing my first album it's not interesting and that's why it's going to be a struggle but when there's someone that's like has a unique backstory and has a story about how their music is related to this or that it doesn't mean you have to write something that's about current events or it doesn't have to be political it doesn't have to be uh, social commentary it can just be your favorite standards, but taking that and finding like, how do I connect this to the industry? Uh, and that's where, you know, having some people to talk to is important. So that relates to having people like us that are doing this all the time, or it has to do with uh, hiring a great team, like some, like a publicist. We talked a bit about publicists, uh, talking to radio people as well. But um, anything you want to add about, about the narrative, coming up with a narrative? No, I mean, and it's, it's just really important to remember. I think something, I might have picked up from Nick. I don't know. Uh, was that for every day that you don't brand yourself, someone else is branding you. 
Mm. You know, and it's just remember that we all do it. You might not think of it as branding, but even when you recommend someone for a gig or you recommend someone for work or anything, you're doing it because you have branded them in that manner. You know, you've branded them as like, oh, this trumpet player is a great lead person, you know, or this reed player is a great doubler. And that's that's what they're great as, you know. And so just keep that in mind. And it's part of establishing that narrative. And like Nick said, like, it's completely fine for this album to be, well, these are a collection of tunes that I wrote during this point in my life and I want to do it, you know. But like that extra step could be, well, what holds those tunes together? Because chances are like, you have little isms that like make you uniquely you and that's going to be the thing you know unless you're like oh well this one track is drastically different than this track and drastic then maybe you know let's think about pairing them across different albums you know we don't need like a pat Metheny type tune next to like a weather report type tune next to a sydney bechet type tune next you know like that's that's a really really hard thing for people to grasp and it's going to be a really hard thing for the industry to grasp so you know, just think about that. Like, well, what connects the dots? And the other thing, like he kind of mentioned to also remember that there are people there to help you connect those dots. And that's kind of what a publicist can help do is like ask you things in a very provoking manner or a thoughtful manner to help them make those connections and help them maybe see connections that you don't see as easily. But the more that you think about this, the easier it'll be. And it might feel cheesy to talk about, you know, and it, it probably is to a degree, but like, you have to sell somebody on it. So like get used to it. You know, you have to establish something more than like, I really like the song. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Like no one cares that you really liked it, but like sell it to someone more, you know, like no one goes to eat food at a place when they're like, yeah, they do an okay burger. Like they're fine. (laughs) You know, like you have to sell them on why is it better than doing something else? Exactly. Um, And that's what we got to do because no one cares. There's thousands of trumpet players and thousands of sax players and, I don't know, maybe 500 piccolo players or so. I don't know, but there's thousands of people doing what we're doing, but that's why you have to set yourself apart, you know, and unless you're Chris Potter, it's going to be hard to rely on solely. Like I play the heck out of my instrument, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're going to ride that train, you better be leagues and leagues and leagues better than the other thousands of people. And and that's fine if you are, but like you have to, you have to, you got to be the next Oscar Peterson on piano. Like you need to ride that train hard, but if not, like you have to build more of a story and that's okay, but you gotta. Yeah. I think there's a number of musicians, you know, that I can think of that maybe feel like they should have gotten, should get bigger press, you know, and bigger uh, with their releases. I mean, or like more attention, but yeah. they don't spend any time thinking about this side of it and someone else who maybe is not as good as them, technically speaking, or, you know, in terms of like technical ability on their instrument is getting more attention because of um, these ideas. And it's not that not be like, it's not that one is uh, better. Obviously the musical integrity is super important and we're musicians and we've talked about this. It's like, yeah, all that stuff is great. But to sell to the industry at large, we got to make some, not concessions, but some, um, I don't know, not concessions, but you have to make some uh, justifications or you have to make some space to think about these other ideas. Uh, And so along with the narrative is also now thinking about the visual branding and thinking about like what it looks like, you know, and trying to take some cue from what else is happening out in the music industry. You know, 
what we tend to do as um, artists, and this happens on social media and with albums, is we kind of look at our heroes or we look at al old albums or we look at our contemporaries and we see what they're doing, what kind of videos they're making, what kind of album artwork they have, and we kind of copy them, right? But do we know where, who they're copying? Are they copying something that we also want to copy? Or do you want to yeah. maybe go and see what's happening in pop culture and try to pop? try to borrow something there that can help you to um, make the choices about what you wear, the colors you use, the fonts you use, the outfits you wear, the pictures you take, the vibe you put across. You know, some artists are really good at that sort of thing and some people don't ever think about it. And it's, and it's just something to kind of keep in your mind is like it makes a big difference. And if your album looks a certain way, like for example, like if I'm if I recorded uh, or take photos for my album, and use it on the cover of looking super slick. You hire, hire a stylist. You look like you're straight out of GQ magazine or Vogue magazine. And then I go to your website and it looks like your like prom picture and you're standing there uh, for in these old like uh, photos that are just very posed and look like you took them like at a family portrait studio. That is that doesn't match up and that doesn't look good. You know, you have to make sure that you want to create the narrative and then you want your imaging to match the narrative that you're creating. So without going too deep into it, just start to think about these things. And I think they naturally kind of take care of themselves as long as you, like I said, hold space for those type of things. So the last uh, little item, I know I said it was rapid fire. I'm in pot. I guess I'm not able to do it anymore. Uh, that's what happens when you become a professor. You just talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, the last thing I want to cover is these things that are kind of all interrelated and it has to do with the team and printing CDs uh, and publicists, radio. So <clears throat> another common thing, another common conversation that we have to have and the best we want to talk about the best practices around is printing CDs, uh, what kind of package uh, and why we need to print them. So first of all, Alan, let's, why don't you let people know what are some of the options that we generally try to go with for packaging? Yeah, I think the easiest way is to start start with what we do not. Um, you do not print sleeves. You yeah. do not print anything without a spine. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really easy way to not get as much coverage as you would like. And I know it seems really picky of me to say that, but it's because I'm passing on that information from the other people who will be looking at your stuff, you know, because they need to be able to see a spine. It's really, it's really hard to navigate stuff when... You're talking about, I mean, like I have like, like CDs, like if there were all sleeves, you know, like I can't, I can't see that stuff. And when I have uh, 200 CDs, a radio DJ has thousands of CDs coming through things like you need to take that into consideration. And so the bare minimum of what we request doing is what's called a four panel wallet with a spine. And so what that basically means is it's something that's made out of like uh, a really thick cardstock type material and it it opens up it has a small spine and then it slides in um the next really common one that people are seeing which is kind of like the new new jewel case which is what the old everyone thinks the cds with traditionals is what's called a digibag and it's the same exact thing with four panels except there's a tray that the cd sits inside of inside of it um i really like them you know there's pros and cons to both of them you know like nick had mentioned talking to me is that if you're traveling a lot like wallets are easier to carry you know, but as you build upon that, you can do more with adding in a booklet or making it six panels or all these things. But just know the more and more you add there, the more expensive it's going to cost. You know, mm -hmm. so I would say, especially if it's your first release, think about a four panel wallet or a four, four panel digipack. Mm -hmm. You know, do those. They're 
at the quantities, there may be like a $50 or $60 difference, maybe $100 depending on what printer you go with and whatnot. But that's going to be your like entry-level thing to do that really makes a strong impact. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's where I would really, start. There's really no reason, honestly, to go further than that. With unlimited space online now to, to put whatever expanded liner notes into uh, an online forum, a great hack that I found people using that I think is really effective is to put a QR code or a special... Um, NF, NF, not NFT, NFC, near field chip sticker or something on their album that, so there's nowhere is the address published of this website, but like you take a picture of the QR code and it goes to the expanded liner notes or it goes to an experience. Um, one of our artists, Jorn Swart, did an amazing job of curating this whole digital experience for the launch of his album. And it was super cool. And he used this type of technology. So you could print a four panel package put as much information as he wanted up on the internet. That was only for people that bought it, the hard copy. Nobody else got the links, uh, except if you could take a picture of the QR code. So I'm sure there'll be other things into the future that are even better than that, but that's one one hack. Is you Printing a double CD and double booklets, like it's just prohibitively expensive, and there's no reason to really do it when you can publish it all online for the people that care about that sort of thing. Um, and if they care, they'll go to it. You know, exactly. like, just that's, that's fine. Just remember, no, there will be many people that buy a CD and they might never play it from the CD or they just take it out of a case and they use it. And that's mm -hmm. fine. But the people that really do want that extra stuff, I don't think will mind taking the extra step for what could possibly be a better quality thing, you know, cause you can do much more things on the internet than you can put, you can't put a video on the back of a CD. Exactly. Um, which quickly, I, I don't know if Nick's intending on going here. This is kind of the fun part about this is when we talk about printing vinyls, Oh, yeah. I didn't um, think about that. But, yeah, go ahead. Vinyls are cool. Vinyls are back in as people want to do it. Vinyls are something that are, I think, really popular in jazz. Vinyls are ridiculously expensive and have a much, much greater buy-in price because of the manufacturing that goes into that and timeline than CD printing. Mm -hmm. This is why we moved from vinyls to CDs is because they were cheaper. They could be done quicker. They were easier to handle and everything. And that's not to say that vinyls are not great quality. And if you want to do a vinyl, by all means, do a vinyl. But just know that the entry cost of a vinyl can easily be triple the cost of a thousand CDs and you're going to get two to three hundred. And it's going to take so much longer and they're so much more difficult to ship. And there is so just keep that in mind. Like if you want to do it and if you've budgeted the money for it, by like by all means, we're going to support everything we can do for the artist. But when you start talking about, you know, the pecking order of things like publicists should be ahead of it. You know, uh, radio team, in my opinion, should be ahead of it. Social media team should be ahead of it. Printing physical CDs should be ahead of it. And like vinyls at the very bottom there. And it's like a vinyl print can cost you the same amount of money that some publicist will cost you for a project or a radio team for a project. So like, just keep that in mind. And it's, it's just tough because then you're talking about making all that money back. I mean, think about it. If you just sell with CDs, you know, um, let's say your print costs a thousand dollars. Let's say you sell CDs at a show for twenty dollars. You know, you make your your money back right then after you know every five CDs is a hundred fifty CDs. You made a thousand dollars back. Selling vinyls and moving vinyls is significantly more difficult. And we start talking about a bill that's three thousand, four thousand, five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. 
it's a much harder of a sell and you need a much more dedicated fan base to sell a vinyl because it takes up a larger footprint. They have to have that kind of system if they ever want to play it. It costs more expensive to get it. I mean, there's just so, so much that goes into that. And the price point, and, has, you have to price it at $30, 30 35 $40. And, and that's even high it? for some people. Right, and it might be too much. Yeah, because other people that selling vinyl, you know, like when they do the reissues of Kind of Blue, Kind of Blue first off is going to carry no matter what. But these other companies, it's like, okay, well, they're doing a print run of an Ariana Grande vinyl. Like they can buy 5,000 or 10,000 units at a time. Mm-hmm. And it drops the cost of everything, you know. So it's all that to say, like, if you really want to do it, that's fine. But just make sure you, like, really do your research about it and don't sacrifice your marketability and your publicity to do that because without that you also will not sell vinyls so just keep that in mind (laughs) exactly so i guess that directly goes to the conversation of why do we still need to print cds i don't want to print cds we talk about this with artists all the time why do we need to do it so the reasons are for those other two people that are important the industry side it's not for selling necessarily it's for promotion so the reason we always say well, you have to do some kind of promotion with us that ties in directly with you pretty much have to print cds um, for us to be able to work the campaign effectively it seems like both of our screens are frozen so there we go okay we'll this is the modern day of technology man yeah. they, they just yeah the internet just ebbs and flows. But um, just to say that we do require people to print some CDs, like at least 500 CDs. Um, best practice is to print more than that, to print 1,000, because if you hire radio and you hire uh, physical uh, physical people, publicist, they might want 100. Radio could go anywhere from 200 to 300, depending on the list. And already you're at 400. And so if you only printed 500 you'd be out of your cds pretty darn fast so we usually recommend printing printing a thousand of them and so why do we need those physical why can't they just accept a download link well i'll tell you why (laughs) Uh, because those people are generally are a little more old school number one number two the radio stations wanted to sit on the shelf which alan already pointed out why it needs to have a spine and a lot of the radio stations aren't set up to report uh, if by just spinning something off of Spotify. So they need to have this CD. They need to have the track listing. They need to write down all the info. That's why you got to put the info on there, like the track timing, like four minutes and 45 seconds, and the composer, because they literally have to type it into a database to report the spin. So all of those reasons, that's why you have to print a CD if you want to play ball with the industry. If you don't care, then that's fine. So those are the people. Sometimes we do digital-only releases, and some people don't. And maybe the goal of that project is not for the industry, you know, and that's cool. But just know that if you want to play ball with the industry, you got to print CDs, and you got to send it out to radio, and you got to send it out to um, uh, pub- the publicist, and they're going to send it out to the physical retailers retailers i'm getting off we're talking about too many things and I'm no i mean you're right technically words. they're gonna send they also will send it to physical retailers and the thing to remember too is that like at the end of the day the people that are getting the physical cds are the people that you want to be getting the physical cds mm-hmm. like yeah we say that they're old-fashioned or whatnot but like that's the person that could really care about your project mm-hmm. you know that's the person that could really support your project and like that 
those are the people that still care about the music that really want to get it, you know, that are more than just like, Oh, I'm going to spin it because it came on my discover weekly on Spotify or whatnot, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's the reason there. Um, and then quickly to touch on it, because I know someone's going to ask when Nick said we print in increments of 500, it's because that's what printer set up in. So if you go between 500 and a thousand, like, and you say, I want to print 750. The only thing you're saving money on there is the cost of materials which quite literally for a printer because they buy in so much bulk could be $10, you know? And so it's not worth it for anyone to do that because we, we honestly have gotten some quotes for like a four panel digipack, a thousand run and a four panel digipack, 750 run. And the difference is $23. Like it's not worth doing. If I, if you told me, Hey, I need you to pay an extra 25 bucks and you'll get 250 more CDs. Like done. I'll do it. It's, it's not a big deal whatsoever. So that's why we do that. It's not because we want you to have 700, 800, 900 CDs sitting in your apartment. It's because like we are just trying to make sure you spend your money the most cost-effective way. And if not, you do not want to have to do another reprint order because to print 500 twice <laughs> will be $1,700 rather than to print 1,000 once, which could be 1,100 with shipping and everything extensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of hidden uh, things that come up when when we do that. So that's why we're saying just plan to print some CDs if you want to play ball with the industry. If you don't care, then that's fine. But you're but you're gonna miss out on a whole kind of area of um, publicity and promotion. So uh, just to recap today, and this is round one of best practices. We're talking. About, we talked about printing CDs. We talked about social media plan branding. We talked about narrative. We talked about timeline, and as those being some really important things to consider. Uh, when you get with any label and if you get with any label that tells you you know some other things you know make sure you check to make sure that they can actually deliver on those those timeline things and that uh, you know even with just knowing the timeline for print press if there's a label that says I'm gonna get your album out next month know that that means they're sacrificing coverage for you uh, in in that way so or they don't value that coverage and if you do then you're just not really on the same page unfortunately but uh, like digital I digital only stuff as well like marketing like even if they tell you like I, we can get your track up in a week we can do it spotify cannot playlist your stuff in a week you know and like they will not play so even if you get your stuff up uh they can get it there but it will not get pitched and it will not get playlisted even if you are the greatest thing ever like it just won't be able to get in front of curators so it's not just physical but digitally like they can't do things that quick like they can't even if they say they can they can't because i've asked a lot of people time and time again and they can't <laughs> right there's just certain systems that are in place and that you have to know about if you don't know you don't know so it can be a, tra- a little bit tricky but um we want to know what are some other questions that came up from this conversation what didn't we talk about there's always other things to talk about but um we'll be back probably sometime in the future with a follow-up to this episode with more best practices but if you again if you didn't listen to the first episode where we talked about kind of our system and how we do things go ahead and take a listen to that or take a watch of that video leave us comments down on the youtube comments if you're on youtube or uh, send us an email that's always a good way to get in touch info at outsideofmusic.com and we can get those questions answered for you and in the queue for the next uh edition of this uh, kind of best practices talk so Uh, Thanks for being here as always. Thanks to Alan for taking the time to share some of this info. Um, Feel free to direct your friends here if they need some advice about their next project. And uh, everything that we talk about is, you know, a little bit specific to the jazz lens in and kind of our industry. But a lot of these things are pan genre, not just for jazz. 
but jazz does have some kind of peculiarities in in it so uh, it doesn't not, not everything applies to all genres so make sure to talk to some experts in your specific genre if you're watching this later and you happen to do something something else but uh, that's it for today we'll be back uh, soon if you're not subscribed make sure you hit that little subscribe button subscribe to the podcast what do they else do they say hit the bell for a notification yeah hit the YouTube. bell on youtube for notifications yeah there you go uh but thanks for hanging out with us today and uh we'll get back in touch real soon